We're here to talk about RPGs. Uh, what what about RPGs? You might say. Well, <laughs> can I don't you do know. it more like? Uh, can you do it more like re- report of the week? Oh, <laughs> what is up, guys? Uh, <laughs> oh God, how does how do his videos start? Um, fuck. Hello, Hello there, everybody, everybody, and welcome back to Running welcome. on Empty. Food review. review. Well, my hello there, ladies and gentlemen. It's immeasurable, <laughs> and my day is ruined. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, today we're reviewing reviewing the Wendy's four for four. <laughs> oh shit! No, we gotta we gotta talk about the news though. The the big news, the Risk of Rain two news. Let's get it, bro. Yeah. Let's get it. So. Uh, Hopu Games, developers of Risk of Rain, have a uh, dev thoughts that they dropped on Steam. Uh, and in it, they announce Risk of Rain Returns, which they're trying to brand as a new game, but it's a remake of the original Risk of Rain. And they're adding some of the stuff from Risk of Rain 2 into it as well to kind of make this, you know, like the definitive Risk of Rain 2D edition type of thing um so that's pretty cool uh they dropped a little trailer with it see a lot of the monsters that were in risk of rain 2 that i know weren't in the original and it looks like they're gonna have uh all the risk of rain uh og characters that didn't make it to two so that'll be really cool yeah Doug, um, can i uh so i'm at the the bullet points of what is going to be in this game. Do you mind if uh-huh. I run through those real quick? Yeah, go ahead. And this is also partially for myself. So it says um, updated code base, blah, blah, blah. All the Risk of Rain 1 content returning with glorious new HD pixel art, uh, which is one thing I was I was curious about is like what, the, what they were going to do with the art style um, mm-hmm. because that could be a... Not that it... I, I, I dig the old um, kind of aesthetic of, of Risk of Rain 1. But it is a little not sterilized, but it's just it's just missing like I feel like one layer of depth sort of in the the art style and kind of like, you know, they could put some little, you know, some little things here and there to kind of kind of spruce it up a little bit. So I am really excited to to kind of see where that goes. Um, It says it's got enhanced audio, um, all the sound effects. Blah, blah, blah. Returning with some uh, additional music track. Countless rebalancing and gameplay tweaks. Uh, A smoother, quote, gameplay feel without losing that legendary Risk of Rain challenge. Um, New characters uh, and new survivor abilities. So uh, have you played Risk of Rain 1? Not the OG, man. Not the OG. I would be really excited to see uh, whether they will upgrade sort of the base uh interaction of the game because i so i have played risk of rain one um i actually binged it pretty hard when i first downloaded it um Mm -hmm. the issue and i'm not like i'm not like a risk of rain head or anything um (laughs) so so, (laughs) he's an old head (laughs) i'm an old head you know uh i feel like it it gets a little bit uh, just in your interactions. You, you kind of only have one option of evasion, uh, at least from what I. Well, okay, so your your main evasion is basically just jumping. Um, so enemies typically will do a wind up on their attack. Um, so it's not like just constant damage output. It's not like you you know their whole body is a hit zone or anything. Yeah. Um, but it feels a little bit just weird to just be jumping around the whole time, like jump and, you know, just jump shoot. And then usually they'll have uh, some sort of secondary evasion, whether that's um, a shield or a roll with like the world's longest timer on it, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it just feels a little bit like it it needs almost like it needs uh, everybody needs a roll or everybody needs a faster, like cooldown on whatever their secondary evasion is or something. But then that would kind of, that would change the whole feel of the game. But I I don't know. I'm really excited to see where, where they, where they kind of take this um, and see if there is, or, you know, what, what all is uh, entailed in the countless rebalancing and gameplay tweaks. (laughs) (laughs) I think, well, Okay, so yeah, I think thank God there's no contact damage. I've been I've been playing a little bit of a replay on the Hollow Knight, 
Yeah. And man, that contact damage it is sucks. brutal. Yeah. It's it's brutal. So like I can't imagine when your entire screen is full of risk of brain mobs. <laughs> the contact exactly. damage. But that's that's kind of what it turns know? into because when there's so many of them, it's like it may as uh, well yeah. be, you know, it's so it's kinda like the dead cells problem, you know, where it's like there's so mm-hmm. much going on the screen, like it's it's hard to even parse out like what exactly is happening. It's just like get out of there. You know, like that's that's yeah. kind of what it what it turns into. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And then, um, <clears throat> but as far as, like, the giving more movement to the, I, I don't know, I'm kind of in the opposite camp there. I feel like, and I haven't played the game, I don't know, but off Risk of Rain 2, you, everybody kind of has one movement tech, and you can get, you know, shorter cooldowns for it, more charges of it, all that, but it's always the most broken ability. <laughs> it's insane. So... I'd be kind of hesitant, and that's that's the thing that's always going to get you killed, and maybe that annoys some people. It's like, I needed to get out of the way of this attack, and my movement ability wasn't off cooldown. I got hit, and I died. Right, you know? yeah. And I get that's frustrating, but I think... I don't want them to completely neuter the challenge of the game and just be like, okay, you've got a million different ways you can get out of the way of these attacks, because I don't know, it's got to have some level of, like, you know your positioning has to be good and this this dodge is for the absolute emergency this is the mistake that you can make you have one you can make one mistake every 20 seconds <laughs> yeah. other than yeah, that exactly. you die yeah yeah so yeah and i i mean i'm, I'm kind of i would say i agree with you um mm-hmm. it, I, I wasn't saying that that's absolutely what it has to be but Mm-hmm. You know, if they're going to go if they're going to go out of their way to remake the game, you know, the old game exists. It's pixel art. So it kind of is is a little bit timeless or, you know, I feel yeah. I feel pixel art um, that kind of pixel stuff. art games kind of like set themselves up and make themselves future proof. Exactly. Think, yeah. yeah. So the, the aesthetic is kind of ageless um, or, you know, to an extent. So if they're going to remake the whole game like we have, we have the original that's already a solid game. You know, we have two. If they're going to brand it as a remake plus upgraded, you know, uh, iteration of the game, I would say, you know, I I would love to see, like, totally new thoughts on or a totally new take kind of on the main um, engagement or just just enough to where it feels shaken up and it doesn't feel like, um, you know, if I if I have beaten the original pretty comfortably, like. I would I would feel very excited to get in and, and get just smashed on level one, you know, because like the, yeah. the rules have, have sort of changed a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's just me personally. I, I have a big thing in general. I really don't like remakes. Um, <laughs> I just you, in man. general, I feel like they they're just usually just just such an obvious cash grab. And they're you know, like, like right I don't need updated style. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. It's like, uh-huh. is this, uh, was this really necessary? <laughs> exactly. That, that's what I should say. I don't like unnecessary remakes. I don't like just, you know, upgrading the the aesthetic and then being like, you know, pay me full price now, you know, for a game that, that I've already played, you know, with a fresh coat of paint. Like, yeah. Um, did you and watch a new getting... Pinocchio movie? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> no, I did not. I'm oh, sorry. You can go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll circle oh. back to the Pinocchio. Okay. Yeah. Well, make a note of the Pinocchio, but yeah. you were talking about if this, we were talking, this might not be a necessary remake. And that kind of brings me to the latter half of this uh, statement they put out where they say Gearbox has acquired the Risk of Rain RP. Or I'm sorry, IP, not RP. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Gearbox acquisition of the Risk of Rain IP. A few weeks ago, Gearbox Entertainment purchased the Risk of Rain IP from Hopu Games. Hopu Games will remain the developer of the Gearbox published Risk of Rain Returns, and Gearbox will both develop and publish potential future titles in the series. Now, I am kind of, I am kind of dumb, but if I'm to understand uh, the way that's worded, it means this is the last. Risk of Rain game that Hopu Games will make, and Gearbox is taking the reins from here on out. I don't know if Hopu has also been kind of brought into the Gearbox fold, but I'm a little bit worried about that because we've seen 
through the Borderlands that Gearbox can't even handle their own IPs. Borderlands 3 was very bad and had this whole series of just, it was terribly monetized. I don't know if you kept up with that game, but they had like two season passes and a bunch of little cash grab DLCs. But it wasn't like with Borderlands 2 where there were a bunch of little DLCs, but you could farm them and they had, you know, they were worth the money. It was like the headhunter packs. They were fun, little little cash grabs, but they actually brought something to the table. Borderlands 3 tried to make this stupid, like, um, battle royale type game mode and shit. Like, so I'm, I'm kind of, my opinion of Gearbox is pretty low. So I'm a little worried about this. I don't know if you have any input there. Um, but even just this remake feels like some Gearbox, let's make some money type of decision. I don't know, because some of these screenshots, it looks a lot better than the original Risk of Rain. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. I guess yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, uh, I... I am also kind of stupid, uh, so I don't. Really, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that my uh, opinion of at least you know kind of in the direction um, that that things are going, especially that route. But but one mm -hmm. thing that does uh, definitely scare me is kind of just the quality control um, yeah, with how yeah. glitchy and and buggy um, the. Uh, Borderlands the pre-sequel was even like oh god yeah way after launch uh it was it was almost unplayable um i you know it's still got some bugs that aren't oh, fixed yeah i believe to it this day. Uh, <laughs> i absolutely believe it <laughs> anyway i'm excited to see risk of rain returns it'll it'll be a day one for me i will definitely buy it and play the shit out of it yeah and, uh, i would i would i was thinking you know it'd be kind of cool this is kind of what I was thinking if like, what if they turned it into like an isometric or like a top down instead of like a, um, Oh God, two, I think it said it's still going to be 2d, but some, you know, yeah. something like that where it's like kind of the like same hot, hotline Miami top down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. like just, that's kind of, that's kind of what I would like to see some, some sort of like pretty big shakeup to how you, you interact with it. Um, or oh, I, God. I don't know like the, well, you know the possibilities just seem kind of endless on you know what that i initially think of is what was that zombies mode uh dead ops arcade yeah you remember that yeah 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 <laughs> exactly i actually yeah. thought that was pretty fun but i yeah. know i'm kind of in the minority there yeah to where they're too like you know if you if you like the the risk of rain ip you know you're probably going to dig both but mm -hmm. you know you can pick a favorite game of the two you know if you're going to remake a game like i feel like that's that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for like yeah. the the opportunity to maybe like this game more than the original as yeah. opposed to just like, you know, the fresh coat of paint, which brings me yeah. to then making Pinocchio a Nazi in the new movie. Oh, like, God, like, is I that shit really, it. is that shit really necessary? Like if we, if we needed to remake <clears throat> Pinocchio, awesome. Wait, is but, Pinocchio a Nazi? I'll be honest. I didn't finish it. Uh, but okay. From, <laughs> Uh, from what my uh, life partner told me, though, that's that's kind of where the movie went, uh, <laughs> where they they definitely took it in that direction uh, where Geppetto was trying to rebuild a. Uh, what was he crucifix. like a, a national socialist? Like, I'm so he confused. had the red band around his arm. Oh, geez. Like, it, he was a literal Nazi. It took place in World War Two. What? And apparently the so remember in the original Pinocchio. Um, when he Disney goes, made this? Uh, it's on Netflix. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so where the original, you know, where he, he gets, he gets scooped up and he like, you know, falls into the wrong crowd and it's like, Pinocchio, you're gonna, you know, this isn't good. You're not a real boy. You know, like that's, that's <laughs> what, yeah. You're not going to be able to become a real boy if you keep, keep being bad. Here's... <laughs> I'll say you this. You're not going to be able to become a good boy if you're trying to bring about the fourth Reich. I'll send you this. Here's this screenshot from uh, oh my God. from the movie. Here, just look at this. Uh, Pinocchio. Oh, Pinocchio, please. Don't go into the bunker yeah. in Berlin. <laughs> what the that's oh yeah that's a screenshot from God. the movie uh and so i stopped at halfway through i was like i was like Whoa. they're gonna they're gonna try to make pinocchio into a nazi like i i get it like did did we really have to to go there with pinocchio what the hell? apparently we did and so i stopped and then my uh my life partner gave me the uh 
the info on kind of how <gasps> the movie unfolds and um oh sorry spoilers God. for pinocchio um wow bro I, I didn't even know first of all i didn't even think anyone was asking for a new pinocchio movie but much less one where pinocchio's a racist yeah. <laughs> or not even a racist a step above racism it's <laughs> fucking nazi jesus yeah that's insane man all right we're we're way off we're way off this episode uh is brought to you by HelloFresh, and uh we're we're also supposed to be talking about rpgs oh my god but instead they should make a nazi pinocchio rpg (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's kind of the thing. You is know that, what? Like, can, can, he's actually, the perfect soldier. They literally make the point that he's the perfect soldier. So there are like more parallels to this, th- to like real life than. So I think the whole movie is basically an allegory for uh, for meth, and and having like you what? know what an advantage having meth. I mean, I'm I'm kind of oh, I'm kind yeah. of joking, but yeah, now that right. I'm like saying that out loud, like no, the, the guy the guy makes the point that like he is the perfect soldier. Like he can't die. You know, like yeah. he's, he's basically an. Aut- aut- autonomous no non-autonomous whatever the fuck a robot he's basically a ro he could be a robot soldier well uh, yeah let, let's go into the let's make a history podcast real quick man the <laughs> all of the nazi troops uh were given out uh basically pharmaceutical meth yeah uh and it was part of their entire battle strategy for um oh god blitzkrieg was the army cannot stop we cannot stop to rest. We have to gain all this ground as fast as possible. And humans just can't do that unless they're on meth. Yeah. <laughs> so they had in their rations, they were given meth. And all those guys were just doped the fuck up. I mean, that's just, yeah. Wow. I didn't expect uh, that Pinocchio would explore the themes of uh, giving meth to <laughs> soldiers. But I guess here we yeah. are, man. Wow. Well, you know, here, here's to ho- here's to hoping that uh, that Risk of Rain gets the, you know, the the Pinocchio meth Nazi treatment. Oh, God, I can a man can dream, right? But <laughs> we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, God. <laughs> well, guys, Let's, we're gonna start here by doing yeah. a little bit of uh, definition. Yeah, you um, might want to move into the RPG thing. Yeah, Let's, yeah. Just and this is kind of for our own sake, um, so that when we say the word like RPG, because I, I feel like that's that's definitely a genre that probably above all else, you know, we we kind of will discuss the most and have probably spent the most time playing, um, just kind of in our own library. So one mm-hmm. of the things we want to kind of get out in front of is for ourselves defining kind of the difference between like an action adventure and story games versus an RPG and what kind of makes one an RPG. And, uh, you know, like, cause, cause there's a lot of gray area as well, you know, like it's, it's an action game with RPG elements. Um, so like kind of, where do we, where do we draw the line on this? Um, that's been the fad for a while is people see like the, uh, the skill tree, in an action adventure game and they're like, Oh, well it's got RPG elements. And then it gets blended into some people just start calling it an RPG. It's like, I, I wouldn't really say so just because the new assassins creed games have skill trees <laughs> doesn't really make them RPGs. I think you could make a, a case for it. You know, you could say you're playing you're role playing as some character, but I don't know. I'll, I'll let you get out in front of it and, and kind of give your say on, where you want to make that distinction. Yeah. So to me, and I, I think, so we have, we have like a bulleted list coming up here. Um, I think, I think the structure, which I, just kind of looking ahead, I think the structure kind of the, the more linear story structure and kind of saying uh, that you're, you're going to do it this way. And, you how how do I want to say this? You're gonna you're gonna play through the game this way in this order is more of what defines a, a more action adventure yeah. type game. And the yeah. RPG gives you more elements of character Find customization, your finding your own way, the sandbox yeah. kind of approach. Um, and then we also have here. This is where it gets a little bit weird to me. Is that there's kind of two 
at odds definitions of what an RPG is. Um, and to me, I, I so I called these the the character RPG. So for example, like you are Geralt of Rivia, you are. Yeah. Sekiro the White Wolf versus <laughs> the Some Guy RPG. Where and, you just create your own character. Yeah, yeah. And to and, me, yeah. thinking these through, when I think of the word or just kind of the term RPG, the first thing that actually comes to mind is more of the Geralt, more yeah. of the you are Sekiro, you are going to become this character that's been laid yeah. out for you. But mm-hmm. I think we're when we kind of talk about this, it's going to become one of those things that RPG doesn't necessarily exactly mean that um i think it's going to more become like this is your customized character experience and less so of a uh you are living out the actions and dreams of of uh the character that you are you're meant to be i think and i think with the character versus just the uh i I call them like the set character versus no set character type of rpg so it's like I think they both have, uh, uh, as far as immersing you, they have strengths and weaknesses. So when you're looking at something like uh, a set character RPG, like you said, with The Witcher, where you are Geralt of Rivia, or I th- the one of the ones that comes to mind for me is the Mass Effect trilogy, where you're playing as Commander Shepard. Uh, one of the big things that sets those apart from the Some Guy RPG is um, these characters have voices. And I think that's a huge, uh, a huge, huge distinction between the two types because when you create your own character and you're going through uh, a lot of these games, th- that character isn't voiced. And I know it's so you can project your own voice onto it, but then you get into an issue where you've got dialogue options that aren't what you would say at all. So you kind of feel disembodied from that character in a way. And I think the uh, the set character RPGs do a really good job of saying, you know, you have these dialogue options, and even if these aren't something that you would say, it's something that this character would say, and you're able to connect with that stronger than you would in a game where you made a no come from nothing nobody character. You know, um, one of the things <laughs> I wanted to touch on, and I don't know if you've ever played them, but with the Mass Effect series. Uh, it's really interesting the uh, the way that they approach a character who has a set backstory and has these decisions that he would make, like Commander Shepard does. Uh, they have a Paragon and Renegade system, is what they call it. And really, it's just the good and evil system. And this is the the negative for the set character games, because... Often you can tell that the good side is the one that they really spent time writing. They wanted you to play this character that way. And uh, so if you choose to be bad, it just comes off as weird, you know, and just it doesn't make sense. Like in the Mass Effect games, you can uh, (laughs) you'll be going through and I don't want to spoil them because they're fantastic. But let's say, you know, you come across this this colony of people and you've got to stop uh, this evil man in the colony. Right. And uh, there's one way to do it would be the evil approach where it's like, well, let's just blow the whole fucking thing up. <laughs> then there's the good guy approach where it's like, let's evacuate everybody. Yeah. And, you know, there's a bunch of like character building in that good guy approach, you know, and you can tell the writers spent so much time on it, but you can choose to just be like, no, I'm going to fucking blow it up. <laughs> right. And it's like, you know, but, oh, but doing that makes, makes it a, 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 an exponentially more time consuming and more difficult process for the for the developers right where where you where each branching path uh (laughs) and it kind of becomes like you know your first time through you're gonna you're probably gonna play the the good guy you know you're going to pick the quote right answers and then the second time through you're gonna make it the funniest fucking experience (laughs) you you possibly can have and like like no way they're gonna do that but it's i you know to to do the the branching path kind of uh interaction tree you know where where your actions really do have lasting consequences beyond just you know like did you get the good ending or the bad ending yeah um, like 
I, I feel like that's something that just as a, as a lay person, uh, the, the thought of how much work it takes to set something like that up, like just in my head, you know, like is, is just is daunting. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know, but the flip side of that is I feel like it would be a really fun experience as a developer. If you are a good developer and you kind of care about the product, you know, maybe you're not pumping out like three or four games a year. You're pumping out one every two or three years, you know, for your, for your dev team. Yeah. Um, and so I think that really kind of, you know, shows why, uh, we don't get games like this very often. And, you know, the obvious one is the Witcher three. Um, yeah. and even, you know, even to a lesser extent, something like, trying to think of a probably Elden Ring would be the best example because it has so many different endings uh but you're not you know you can you can make all of the quote wrong decisions or the self-serving decisions all the way up to the very end in a in a game like Elden Ring and still have you know what whatever it is all five or eight endings available to you you know until you get to a very clear point in the game where it's like okay you know we've got about two hours of game left like you, you know start wrapping it up boys and it's like yeah you know it's very uh, while while we're there do you like did you like that point in the witcher where they stopped you and they were like like out of character you know fourth wall and they're like okay you're about to <laughs> approach i love, the, I love it i love I it loved okay that. good yeah so for for context if you haven't played the witcher yeah yeah what are you doing but there's a Why section in the doing? game yeah there's a section in this game where it's getting to the end and the game says there's going to be a portion here where there's no turning back. You are nearing the end of the game. And because of the way this game ends, it's going to like ruin a lot of quest lines. It's going to. So if you have anything else you want to wrap up, turn around and go do it. And I fucking love that because it's like I think it's really respectful of the player. It's like, you know, you, you're going to sink hundreds of hours into this game. I don't want to ruin your experience by, you know, destroying quest lines that you were working towards. And I think it's also, God, not to suck the Witcher off again, but I think it's something that they kind of had to do out of necessity because I wouldn't be surprised if some players didn't even know they were playing the main quest line. And were just, you know, going through all these amazing side quests and they're like, oh, this one's close by and it's around my level. I'm going to go do it. And they didn't even realize (laughs) it's the story. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. And it is easy with especially the way that it uh, queues up different quests. You know, if you finish a side quest, it'll kick you into the main as a default Mm -hmm. to the main quest. If you're not like really diligently checking what quest you're on like it's really easy mm-hmm. to kind of get back on to the to the main quest without realizing it and advance the story in, mm-hmm. in ways that you didn't want to you said mm-hmm. that you had just kind of anecdotally did you say that your elden ring you got to that point in the game and didn't really realize what was happening right um, at a certain uh when elden ring burning? was wrapping up yeah oh yeah yeah uh, a certain I, sin yeah. to be committed so <laughs> yeah i um I'm, I'm going through elden ring and and loving it and uh i remember you sit down at that site of grace after you beat the fire giant up on the mountaintop of giants and you talk i was talking to melina whenever i could melena however you say it um and so i talked to her and I uh, I didn't really know what the consequences of the choice were going to be. She says, do you want to commit a cardinal sin? And my little Catholic boy, you know, raised Catholic <laughs> brain was like, yeah, I want to commit a cardinal Hell sin yeah, with bro. you, Melina. <laughs> I definitely do. And uh, so I just said yes. And it, you know, completely changes the world state. And I had a lot of uh, the, um, oh, God, it's been a while since I played Elden Ring now. What's that city called? Um, Landell. Lindell, yeah, I had yeah. a lot of Lindell that I still wanted to explore, but that choice covers Lindell and Ash, so yeah. you can no longer explore that area. It was a, it was a big bummer for me, but uh, that is it a was really also, hard. Oh, I, I was just uh, gonna say that is a really tough spot to be in, but as a, as I, a gamer, yeah, I, I feel, yeah, um, and I, also, I, I would not be yeah. happy. <laughs> well, I. I was kind of mad at first, but now I look back on it and it's kind of one of those stories for me. It's like, 
it, it was just one of those moments where I was like, I did not expect that. Uh, that was fucking awesome. You know, like even though it kind of took away some things from me, it was a really cool moment in that game. So I don't really fault from software for doing that. And I would have been really, it would have been really out of character if they had like a Witcher three, Hey, this is going to change the world yeah. state, yeah. you know? So I don't, I kind of like it actually looking back on it, but it was a yeah. little frustrating. But um, anyway, I got I to gotta wrap back to this, man, because I feel like I didn't, uh, I didn't explore it completely with the, when we talk about these RPGs with uh, set characters versus, uh, you know, you're just basic, you're, you're guy, like the non-set character. I would, the Ashen one. I would, the Ashen one, or <laughs> yeah. I'd liken it to like the Dragonborn in Skyrim. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who actually went through Skyrim, uh, which is an RPG. No one's arguing that it's wholeheartedly one, but who actually went through Skyrim and was like, wow, these are dialogue choices that I would make. I really connect with the Dragonborn. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody does. And I think that the biggest reason that is, is because one, uh, those dialogue options are just dissonant with what you would do. And that's kind of one of the issues that arises in the medium of video games. Like developers can't account for every single thing a sentient person with free will is going to want to say. So they come up with, you know, a couple options to cover all the bases that they can think of. But uh, I think this is an issue with the medium of video games because what RPGs came from was tabletop RPGs yeah. where your character can actually just be you and you can say what you want to say and do what you want to do. And those experiences can be so uh, powerful for people to then try to move it into this other medium. There's a lot of growing pains and I think we've gotten a lot better with it. Um, there are games like uh like disco elysium i think where uh it is a set character but for example you don't even know what your name is in that game because you're coming out of this alcohol induced amnesia and you are a set character you're uh, uh i don't want to say what your name is because it's a huge moment yeah don't in the say game. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna play yeah it. uh but you know there's this moment when somebody and I'll just say somebody calls you by a name and you're like, wait, is that my, did he just call me my name? Like, oh, fuck. I have a name. Like yeah. it's such a weird moment because you're going through that game thinking, projecting yourself onto this guy, but it's really, it's not you. He's his own character. And I think that was one of the just most amazing ways that you could handle this. What I see is an inherent issue with RPGs where are we going to have a character with a set voice or are we going to allow the player to project themselves onto this character? Disco Elysium did both and did it so well that I think, man, yeah, if you haven't played it, you're missing out. It is just, it was life changing, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, I, I'm just, I'm kind of just thinking about too, like, you know, how, how much, you know, as as crazy as, you know, and, and few and far between as some of these really, really good, like, RPG moments are, you know, mm -hmm. like, you you know, you talked about, like, d and or maybe not, you, you well, talked D &D, about tabletop, yeah, yeah obviously, tabletop. I mean, you know, the like obvious. Um, oh, God, what's the other one? Pathfinder uh, is another big tabletop, okay, but yeah, D&D, yeah, yeah. D &D. Yeah, D &D. yeah, well, you know, what, what sets, you know, sets that experience apart is that you're, you're also interfacing with with the dungeon master, you know, the, the God yeah. who is kind of crafting this world and, and, you know, he's giving you things that are happening in response to your actions, yeah. but that's, and you're, you know, you're still kind of on a journey. That's, that's that probably going to go in real time. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking is that like how, you know, and it, it you know, maybe it's AI or maybe it's, you know, like uh, a smaller, server or you know some sort of service where actually this would be badass what if somehow there could be some sort of dm implemented into a game like the witcher or something you know where yeah there is a person or an ai or or something you know like responding to 
your, your actions choices. and taking yeah. you on that adventure together. So I'm wondering if there's like some sort of bridge or maybe, you know, maybe like a VR type thing yeah. um, where, you know, the game is sort of a, uh, an altered um, or augmented D and D campaign within a video game you know that you can set up and and so maybe there's so some sort of like co-op game or something where there's like some sort of god-like character and you Mm -hmm. and a party of like three friends or or, you know so like four people total are like going on this adventure together and uh someone or something has the the ability to kind of like really change and craft the experience around kind of the preset rules or the preset staging of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, what you're talking about, actually Valve kind of did it uh, a very, very basic uh, implementation of what you're talking about. But Valve had a similar system for the Left 4 Dead games, where which are just shooters, okay. you know, nothing yeah. special, right? But if you're burning through those uh, hordes of zombies too quick, the game actually will recognize that and start putting tougher ones in there. Yeah. Also, another thing is if I'm to remember correctly, the game can recognize when one of your party members gets separated from the group and it will give them a really big challenge. It will give them one of those unique zombies to bring you guys back together because you have to help him, you know? So it's, there almost is like a dungeon master guiding you through that shooter experience by corralling you with those enemies. That's so badass. Think, yeah. And I think that could be the next step for RPGs. And I'm sure there is a system like that. You know, I'm not a game developer. I'm sure there's some sort of system in, in a lot of games uh, these days that mir- mirrors that left for dead system. Yeah. But um, I think that could be the next step. If someone was to take that further in, in RPGs in some way and figure out a way that, um, to make worthwhile content, not just arbitrary AI generated content, but something actually worthwhile, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That that still feels kind of like natural and, and human. yeah, because you don't want to feel like you're you're just interfacing with the AI, you know, and like yeah, you know, yeah. trying to outsmart something that that is you know thousands of times more intelligent capable yeah. of, of reacting to things than you are, you know, like well, that's the inherent issue is it's like, you know, it's the, I think RPGs speak to a, like a very human experience, you know, often you're yeah. a lot of the game is spent talking to people. These aren't real people though, you know, right. w- yeah. where with tabletop games, it is, you know, you're talking to a dungeon master who is being yeah. the interface for a character, uh, on these, you know, um, RPGs and video games, it's not a person and making it as close to a person as you can is, is the, uh, the struggle, I think. Yeah. We're at least one of them. Right. Well, I, sorry, I'm just, I'm breaking the fourth wall here. Just looking (laughs) at the notes. I feel like we've kind of covered everything in this, this first part here, just kind of in a roundabout way, just talking about what we enjoy about RPGs. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we could talk about because uh, I don't think we ever actually defined what we think an RPG <laughs> yeah, is because we yeah. started. I and that I'm going to take full responsibility for that because I went on a little Mass Effect rant because I just kind of wanted to say I fucking hate the dialogue options in that game. Sometimes you know, yeah. um, I I, I kind of jumped the gun on that. So I think we should probably give our definition of what an RPG is, and then we can move on to our actual experiences definitely with them. Yeah, yeah yeah so i was um, just just while spitballing this you know i was i was kind of just doing a flow of consciousness the things that kind of stand out as uh hallmarks of of the genre uh to me are that it's immersive mm-hmm. it's uh decisive and not decisive as in like it's creating a definitive experience but that it gives you a chance to make decisions um that have lasting consequences impacts on the story um to me as well just in contemporary gaming there's some sort of build as in um you know thinking that your mechanics of interacting with the world 
for example, combat uh, are are something that you can manipulate, that you can get into and, and change to suit your style or whatever style you are mm-hmm. wanting to get into for this experience. Um, and then that the structure, to me, I don't know, this is one I'd, I'd like to get your take on. Um, in the structure, is a good RPG always going to give you some sort of sandbox approach? Or can there be a really powerful role-playing mm-hmm. <laughs> experience that's very linear and doesn't doesn't let you get off of the main path very often mm. um <clears throat> that's a really good fucking question times yeah i went back Nardwar. so Holy many shit. times i'm like i'm like well yeah of course there can be wait maybe no not way. Yeah. Wait, of course there can be. Like I went back and forth so many times. So I kind of just I want you to tell me my opinion on this so that I can I can just move <laughs> on from this fucking point on the on the show yeah. notes here. When I think of like a san- so I think a good RPG uh I think you could make a good RPG that was a more linear experience maybe. But there would have to be some caveats and we'll, I'll use an example, right? So um skyrim big sandbox rpg the game just sets you loose go do whatever the hell you want you know um and in that there's often going to be a bunch of different ways to get done what needs to get done so let's say you want an object that's inside of a house right um you could pick the lock on the back door uh sneak in and steal it uh or you could talk to the the owner of the house and get him to invite you in and then steal it. Or you could talk to him and get him to just give it to you. You could pay him for it. You could fucking bust down his door and kill him and take it. You know, there, as long as the RPG that is linear can keep that kind of system where there's a million different ways to approach one problem, then I think it could still be a good RPG. And I think you could, yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Just just to, to build off of that. And actually, I'm so glad you said that because that is like helping clear me up a little bit as well. Yeah. I feel like to this integration of like mindless side quests that really have no bearing. I mean, you know, you could always you could always explain it away like, well, it's in the world. So it is the world, you know, and you're getting better gear yeah. and that's helping you on your adventure. Sure. But to have a really cohesive impact or, or not impact but a cohesive approach and and kind of feeling like that the the main story is ubiquitous you know like you're not <laughs> you're not <laughs> dedicating 20 hours working on side quests to get yeah. armor that's for some reason five levels lower than you needed to kill ganon you know like yeah, is, yeah. is like it's always been a really kind of strange dissonance with within kind of the main story to me so that i think that's one thing to kind of be on the lookout for it's is games that implement those side quests into mm-hmm. the main story and, and make everything feel like it's weave relevant. them together it's relevant yeah. to the you know to what you're doing or, or set the stakes a little bit lower like it doesn't have to be that the world's gonna end or you know like <laughs> you know why because you know it's the funniest example is always going to be Gwent. You know, why in the fuck does Gwent exist <laughs> when the wild hunt is two weeks away? You know, like, oh, no, dude, that's so funny. You say that though, the set the stakes lower. That is to kind of get to have an ADHD moment. That is the exact problem with Marvel movies is in every goddamn movie. The galaxy is going to blow up in heat death. Like right. there's some villain that is going to destroy everything. Well, we already know how this ends. Yeah, because exactly. you've announced two movies afterwards. Yeah, he doesn't blow up the universe. Yeah, <laughs> like, so there can be on. compelling adventures and and narratives that we can go on without. Yeah, without the fucking. I love that the fucking Earth blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> the heat uh, death of the universe. God, that's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Ah, uh, shoot. Yeah. So I think. One of the main things that an RPG should have is uh, different ways to approach the same problem. And then uh, the choices you make have consequences down the yeah. line. To me, that's what ultimately separates it from an an adventure game or, you know, yeah. action adventure story. Those games like yeah. they are very and, and this could be an episode itself, but kind of the prescriptive versus descriptive 
approach like Sekiro is a really good example like you have to play like you are playing Sekiro like you cannot play that game like oh, you play yeah. Dark Souls 1 you're yeah. going to get bodied you know and you literally maybe not literally maybe there's one attack you can survive that you need to bait out every single encounter to be able to roll through it rather than parry it but mm. if you're not playing like Sekiro like you're not going to get through the game yeah. um to me that and I, I think that's called prescriptive versus descriptive uh yeah gameplay interaction whatever yeah prescriptive is it's gonna happen this way this is how we set it out and you're gonna do it this way or you won't pass on yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and then descriptive is however you can get it done and I, yeah. I lean more towards an rpg should be descriptive but i yeah. think you okay. could i think you could make a note or a, <laughs> a um an argument for you know because i would say securo kind of is securo is an rpg I really do think so. Maybe not completely, but I think you could make a good case for it. And it is completely prescriptive. It's like if you're gonna if you're gonna beat this boss, you are gonna play it like this character would. Like this combat encounter is gonna go exactly how the same every time. Not the same every time, you know, it's gonna have variations, but when this attack happens, you will parry it or you will die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, you could make arguments either way, but I, I would lean on the side of there's there's enough open endedness in Sekiro, enough uh, different ways to approach uh, how you begin combat, you know, with like the stealth and stuff that I would I would call it an RPG, especially with the skills that you're picking up along the way. You know, you can you can have uh, like those overhead slashes or the anime, you know, waterfowl Melina yeah, dance yeah, yeah. type attacks. You know, <clears throat> there's there's variation within it. And, and actually, that would probably be a good example of what we were talking about with more linear games can still be RPGs. I think Sekiro is a pretty good example of that, actually. It's it's a pretty set path. There is branching areas that you can go out to, but. I think it gives you enough choice within that uh, world that I would still firmly call it an RPG. <laughs> and the uh, awkward silence no, begins. No, it's not even that, dude. It's just I feel like the and and we're moving on either way. But I feel like the yeah. naming convention just doesn't work because to me, I agree that is that is what an RPG is, but I mm -hmm. would call that an action adventure game and not really? an RPG. Yeah. Well, but make that's, your case, man. No, make your case. Uh, <laughs> how about that? This song is called Hammer <laughs> Face. Yeah. To me, our RPG role-playing game, you are role-playing, you are becoming a character. And, I've, you know, we've, we've set up there could be a, a set character, there can be a non-set character. Uh -huh. To me, I think the set character, you have to do it the way the, the prescriptive is RPG. It's forcing you to become somebody who is not hmm. you. You are becoming the character that is RPG in my head. In my opinion. In my opinion. I do not have to say they suck. If I say they suck, they suck. <laughs> then they suck. In my opinion. I do not but have I should to not say have that. to say, in my opinion. <laughs> so it's fine. I'm going to keep calling these games adventure games, action, whatever, blah, 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 story games, RPGs. Mm -hmm. That just to me. But no, there's some uh, ambiguity. Uh, so, John, how do you yeah. uh, do you do you like to. Uh, Let's say, let's say the everyman. Let's say the ashen one. Okay. Now, maybe that's not the best example because there's. Do you do you tend to uh, role play as yourself, or do you have a character? Do you ever feel yourself like enjoying kind of getting into the character of not approaching as John Dark Souls? Hmm. Uh, so like when you're talking about when a game doesn't have a preset character, like you make your own do I have like a set that I always go to type of thing or like, well, um, I was more thinking kind of in the, the character less, less of less of the mechanical approach and more of like <laughs> the, uh, do you get into the world of this character? Do you feel like you are this character? 
Mm. Um, or are you strictly through and through this game? It can be broken down to something happens. And so I react on my controller on my couch mm. in the living room. Like, do you feel yourself kind of getting into the world pretty easily, pretty comfortably? Um, or is it always just you're, you're very acutely aware that you're playing a video game? Um, yeah. And I so think you don't that... really do the, the role play part of RPG. In a game where I guess it would depend because there's there's story driven games and then there's ones that are more like combat driven. So I would say something like Elden Ring is very combat driven, still an RPG. Um, but with it being combat driven, I'm not as into the I'm not as immersed in it where I think, oh, yeah, I'm in this world, you know, even though it, it is a very it's an experience that sucks you in and, you know, kind of consumes your thoughts. I would still say I'm aware it's a video game, you know, and, and I'm in the process of dodging attacks and, and building a character. I don't really think of that character as myself. So yeah, I'm aware that that's a video game when I play those types. But then when we get more into like the uh, games that are, dialogue driven type rpgs i can really get lost in those and kind of forget that it's a game sometimes yeah and you just kind of enter this flow state you know so i guess it would depend on the the distinct game but generally yeah if it if it's dialogue driven i'm going to get more immersed in it and feel like oh yeah i'm i'm making these decisions i'm in this world Whereas if it's combat driven, it's a video game and feels kind of gamey to me. Not in a That's, bad way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that perfectly kind of gets to where I was going. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I didn't know if maybe, <clears throat> you know, like while while you're playing, like Elden Ring, there's there's no good way to say it without like being uh, just beat, just be yeah, like yeah. Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to cut my losses there. I don't really know what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, man. So th this is something I'm interested in. Uh, yeah. Whenever, whenever uh, I'm playing an RPG that has... Uh, most RPGs seem to be set in... Or maybe just the ones I play are set in like a fantasy uh, medieval knights and dragons uh with magic type of setting and i was curious uh when you play games like that do you have a set uh kind of like a preset is your first character always going to be along the same lines as the one you did in the last game because whenever i start a game i generally do the first playthrough i'm like a strength and faith type character so big great sword like as soon as i find a big great sword that's what i'm using and I'll have like a uh, very limited magic, almost kind of like a paladin build where it's like healing spells and um, very magic that's not really for damage, you know, more so just buffs for myself. Like utility type. Yeah, utility type, yeah. type magic. That's what I lean towards, like a paladin type build. So I was curious if you do something similar or if you just kind of wing it every time. Yeah, I definitely have... Um it's it's definitely the issue that you know a lot of these games are definitely like high skill or high skill ceiling i should say mm -hmm. um which i generally i was thinking about this too uh i i generally do not approach the very 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 high level of play um for any of these games you know just just because i you know, my, my crowning achievement, you know, that I platinumed Bloodborne does not mean that I ever got oh, yeah. good at Bloodborne. It means that <laughs> I, I made a build that suited my very, very sloppy throw myself into damage. Um, yeah. and we're going to fucking trade hits all day, you know, tooth and nail Don't and I'm gonna be my last healing, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's how I, how I, that's how I roll bitch. Uh, and that's how I always roll. And uh, something like Elden Ring, for example, kind of pushed me to my limit um, where, you know, like we talked about some of these one and two shot attacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes it to where no matter how much Dude, I just yeah. spit all over. That's how excited I'm drooling. Um, <laughs> He's uh, frothing at the mouth. Yeah. He's uh, Elden Ring made it, rabid. It does not. And this is coming from, the, you know, I am the sloppy guy. I'm the sloppy Ooh. guy, bro. 
Uh, I cannot beat certain bosses in that game playing sloppily like it's it's forcing me to to up my up my game um which is part of the reason you know it literally is get good um and that's not really something that i uh, that i do (laughs) that i do it's not something i can do the only game where that has been the case and that I did like fully dive in, I think would be Cuphead, um, where you are, you know, you have very limited opportunities to fail or li- very limited mistakes you're able to make. Um, and that is like, that's the one single outlier game that I feel like I probably shouldn't have beaten. Um, but somehow and got to the final boss, happened. but somehow I did. And even then, you can sacrifice your damage output for more HP. Um, yeah. So to to kind of circle back here, yeah, my my play style, I like high vigor, high health. I like being able to make a lot of mistakes, at least through the first um, the first playthrough. And then that's that's one of the great things about the Souls games. You can always replay them and try again with you know, exchanging your HP for damage output um, Mm. as you do, you know, inevitably improve at the game. But yeah, I I also find myself not really enjoying games as much that that force you to get good because I'm not. I'm an old fucking man and I have (laughs) two kids and a mortgage and I and I just found out that, you know, that they're banning menthols. So I'm not happy to jump into a game where the game is like living real life. I want to jump into a game. <laughs> my life sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to live a dog? second one. Yeah. Dude, that, that's, you know, okay, this is great. This is a great launch point. Um, so I don't know how up to date you are with uh, the uh, Facebook metaverse <laughs> shit. Have, no. you, have you been? Oh my God. No. So, let me give a little background here. Mark Zuckerberg is completely head over heels in love with this idea of the metaverse. Uh, meaning, okay, I didn't know about that. Yeah, he wants to create kind of this uh, second life type of experience where people do, and it was really spurred on by the pandemic, where everybody owns a Quest 2. <laughs> Let's go. And everybody, instead of commuting to work, they strap up, they go to their uh, their lounge in their house, you know, their second bedroom. They strap on their Quest 2 and they sit down at their desk and go to virtual work instead of real work. And they pay for things with their virtual money. And they, you know, like their entire life could be lived in this uh, second VR world where you could be whatever you want to be. But at the same time, it's just a second life. You're still held down by the constraints of the life you currently have. So (laughs) it completely misses the mark of why people want these experiences. People want to get into video games and VR to have a different experience other than their life because their life fucking sucks. (laughs) Yeah. And I could totally see people going for that too, because this is their opportunity to try it all again. You know, with all their knowledge, this is my fresh start. Really? I can tr- I think so. I could I could see people going for that. Um the numbers sure aren't going for uh, it, man. <laughs> uh it's it's bleeding money. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah, it's like it oh my god, it's like a stuck pig, dude. It is losing that's so, so much funny. money. All right. Well, that and, makes me happy. That's yeah. not what I that's 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 what I wanted to hear. Uh, yeah. but I thought the next thing you were going to tell me was that like and people are going for it, you know. No. Like, <laughs> no, exact opposite. People are rejecting it completely. Okay, and, good. And I think part of it is it's horribly mismanaged. Maybe if someone else some other company was doing it uh you know and doing a better job of it maybe your hypothesis would be correct but as it stands facebook is just not getting it done i i couldn't see a world where i would want to go to work in my vr headset you know what i mean i i just i couldn't see that Maybe I'm an old head. Maybe I'm an old fucking man. But. No, I mean I'm like I'm I I just visualized like fifty years of like life as someone who lives in the in the VR economy. Oh my god! And I killed myself at uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at a Motel Six. <laughs> 
it would completely invalidate the world around you. It, it, it would be really sad, honestly. I, I can't imagine um, just not leaving your house every day, you know? I mean, yeah, as, as much as I hate my job, I at least like getting out of the house, you know, and driving to work. Well, you I, don't even I, have to get out of your house. You know, you could be in your house and out of your house. It's perfect. It, yeah, you could be maybe. On a beach. Maybe. You could uh, be... Yeah, man, I, I that should be your homework for before the next episode, man. You should look into some of this metaverse shit. It's so Damn, funny. I might, I might try it out. It, yeah, That'll be our secondary content. Like, we'll have the podcast, and we'll also have like a lifestyle YouTube channel. Where we, <laughs> <laughs> we try out living in the metaverse. Oh my god, could you imagine? Oh, th- there was actually, um, and uh, I wish I could give a shout out to him, but I can't remember what he was. I saw a video. A while back, it was a guy that recreated his house in Fallout 4 VR so he could walk around in Fallout 4 VR and go to sit down on a couch that was in the game. And he was actually sitting on his actual couch like it was. And he said it was like a really kind of weird feeling, really immersive, but also like kind of uh, in the uncanny valley, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, I can't. Well, that kind of yeah. reminds me of the. Uh, I think I heard, this was in a Vsauce video or something, but it kind of it makes me think of that Stephen King quote, where he's trying to define what I want to say it's what terror is, and he like tries to make Ooh. the distinction that there's a difference between terror and horror and fear, and he I think I hope I'm getting this right, but he said terror is coming home to your house to find that everything has been replaced with an exact replica. Ooh, and so it's this like unnerving feeling of like mm-hmm. what you know, like so. This, that's that's kind of what this is making me think about. You know that we're moving into this yeah. fucking like really unnatural, really, really creepy kind of realm of like just doing things that as you know, I'm a big believer that we are just monkeys at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, you know, we are just animals. We're mammals. You know, we we have maybe in my opinion <laughs> if it was up to me we would stop with kind of the the advancement of everything and kind of maybe even move back to kind of the Amish style of like <laughs> whoa not, yeah. not not fully Amish but just like I'm you know we don't we don't need to to keep improving and and uh striving optimizing for, for optimizing thank you that's what optimizing shooting for higher efficiency like yeah we, we've done it we've done it can, like can we just live our lives now because now it's you know it's like catching up with like you know the the stress related like illness uh you know heart disease shit like that suicides you know like yeah cancer too i mean that's a, that's kind of a sign that you know, you've lived long enough, like your cells are no longer doing the job they're supposed to. They're getting confused and people are dying, you know, instead of like natural causes or whatever, they're dying of cancer, which I guess is a natural cause, but it's kind of a sign that like your body's done too much, you know? So if you take out like cancer, heart disease and, uh, uh, fucking, what was the other one? It doesn't matter. You know, your next best option should be like Alzheimer's probably. Yeah. Would be being eaten by a lion. Yeah, yeah. That's how we should be living and dying. (laughs) IMO. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, this metaverse shit is, uh, I hope and pray (laughs) that that someone smarter than, uh, than the Zuck, you know, doesn't get, get in charge. uh, Yeah. In my lifetime, at least. Yeah. Maybe it's actually a blessing that Zuck is the one spearheading the movement (laughs) because it's just going to fucking die. Yeah. You know, God forbid he finds a fucking, uh, charismatic puppet you know to like fucking oh yeah get in charge of everything but he's still kind of you know zucking the strings from off stage you know thank god yeah like it's gonna die i think and rest in piss honestly (laughs) i I can't i i really can't imagine a world where i gotta go to virtual work i I would virtually kill myself (laughs) yeah let's go and then a fate worse than death Having to leave the metaverse and face real life. <laughs> oh, God, no. No. <laughs> well, shit, man. We, we've gotten shit, man. way off base, yeah. but I think 
I think we did. I think we talked about all the we RPG did it. This shit was we just supposed to. to be how we how we interface with RPGs and what do we consider an RPG. So I think we definitely got there. Um, we got it. Yeah. Oh, for just uh, just while I'm thinking about this, these longer episodes, since I don't pay for premium podcast hosting, anything like that, uh, the longer episodes have to be split into two um, two parts. So just looking, you know, if, if it says like part one, part two. That'll be like the <laughs> we we reached the <laughs> upload size limit, the limit uh, file yeah. size limit. So th- these will just I'll try to find a good place to chop it, like you know down the middle, um, and then uh, address that in probably in the the show description and just say like you know we talked about news yeah. and what is an RPG, and then part two will be like we talked about yeah. what we like and uh, oh the ultimate question is Minecraft an RPG. Ooh! <laughs> no, uh, ro- I think your role playing is Steve. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, I, maybe. Uh, I guess it depends. Um, what server are you on? You know, I I guess. I I know there there are people, man, who put a lot of work into fucking Minecraft and make entire experiences. It's kind of like the Roblox effect. You know, where there's Roblox can be whatever fucking game you want it to right, be. Right, yeah, I yeah. think Minecraft is kind of similar, so I guess maybe. Maybe. It just, it would depend on the uh, server you're playing on, I guess. But, um, <laughs> you know, Steve isn't the most compelling character. You no. Know, what are his motivations? It's Alex. You know? Oh, Alex. Oh, shit. We have to go well, on Well, that, that, that changes everything. <laughs> if you're playing as Alex, yeah, it's definitely an RPG. She's got she's got some stories behind her eyes. I could see it every time someone plays as Alex. It's just that cold, dead thousand yard stare. Like she she was she was in Versailles. Like you know, like she she was in the Somme. Something like she she's got that cold stare. Anyway, I'm way I'm way off topic, man. Cut the recording. Alex get don't get, cr- get out of here. Hot <laughs> in the Nether. He won't Ooh. come back safely. <laughs> Is that actual like? Yes. <laughs> 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 <laughs>